People are like, this guy's a little weird. He owns a duck mask yeah. and a dinosaur costume. And ten chickens. <laughs> and ten chickens. Yeah, yeah, we have ten chickens now. Do they cool. all have official names? Or are they? Still yeah, yeah. There's some of them has now. Yeah. What's yeah. the best name so far? Well, there's one that's have a good resemblance to the the, the chicken from Moana. Oh. So it's called Hey Hey now. Hey. Oh. <laughs> they all have like bold necks, so. Oh, they're quite similar. Is, yeah. Is that a chicken variety with the bald That's necks? a local. That's a. It's an authentic Hungarian chicken variety that has bald necks. There's no. There's no feathers on their necks. Fizz. Buzz. Fizz buzz. Well, I'm Mo and I'm Stacy and this is Fizz, Fizz buzz, buzz Podcast. podcast. So thanks for joining us. Um, we have a special guest with us today, Mate from Hungary, but we are currently in Dublin. Um, hi, Mate. Welcome. Hello, ladies. How are you doing? Good. Very good. Very good. How are you? Great. Great. Just off the plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mate flew in especially oh. for Fizzbuzz yeah. podcast. <laughs> Yeah. And he bought us lovely marazepan, mm. and we haven't tried it yet, but we're gonna. It looks really good. So, Mate, you're from Hungary, so um, and marazepan is a specialty of Hungary. It's one of the specialties, I would say. It's I think it's the it's the usual things are um, cakes and and like sugary treats has been a, a big 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 thing in the early 1800s and throughout all the Austrian Empire thing and then um, marzipan is has been a prized thing in Hungary so there's like authentic marzipan shops and like um, you know like big prize winner like factories and stuff like this so there is it is yeah it's, it's, it is a local delicacy mm. yeah. even more excited to try it now yeah thank you for sharing it with us mm. Very good. And could you tell us a cool fact about Hungary? Cool fact about Hungary? I oh wow, okay, that's off guard. Um, <laughs> I mean, what's a cool fact about Hungary? Didn't think about. I spent the 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 plane ride to think about what I can say about what I like about Ireland, and now you're asking about plot twist. <laughs> yeah, complete plot twist. Um, a cool thing about Hungary. I mean, what I like, what I like there, for example, is the 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 very good like theater and music scene. Like it's, I know it is in the local language Hungarian, which is doesn't help. It's uh, you know white widespread nature in Europe, but um, in general, like you can you can find any kind of genre of music you can think of, you'll find it there you know, the screaming heavy metal stuff to like very weird folklore and to like Balkan house uh, whatever you name it, you, you got you got a good 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 music scene there. Plus theatre is, is great. Like there's very good plays and, and, and actors there that I I like to go to and like to enjoy. So it's a it's a nice cultural place. Very cool. Cool. I had no idea. Yeah, like I mean, the language barrier there is yeah. is, is a big thing, unfortunately. That's uh, fair. Yeah. No. Could you teach us how to say hello? My name is blank in Hungarian. Sure. Well, hello will be very simple uh-huh. because it's Sia. 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 
and um, my name is um, I don't know Stacy would be Engem Stacy Nakivnak. Engem Stacy. Engem Engem. Engem. Uh-huh. Stacy Nakivnak. 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 I could literally say myself and you know, others call me Stacy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Um, Hungarian won't be my second language, Bosch. <laughs> or like your tenth language. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I don't blame you. It's, it's, it's not an easy as an outsider to learn. Mm. This is very quirky stuff. Yeah. It's, but like I mean, once you know the rules, you can read it, no problem. But 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 some of the, some of the grammar bits are are a bit insane. But on the other hand, something is much more simpler. Like. There's no 16 tenses like in English. It's either something <laughs> has been done or has happened or is happening or will happen. And there's there's not this ambiguity in between that, you know, something started like 18 months ago. It's still ongoing and will continue into the future. <laughs> no, it, it is just happening. <laughs> it's simple. Well, I mean, we're going to have to learn it if we're going to get into the Hungarian music scene. So... Yeah, start yeah. Now. yeah start exactly. Now. Get Duolingo on board here. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I think we should tell listeners why Mate has joined us today. Yeah, Mate, why are you um, here? Yes, you're here to talk to us about... Functional programming, everybody's favorite subject. Yes, and we're here to put the fun in <laughs> functional, functional programming. programming. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, Yes, so thank you for joining us on such a applicable topic because it's something I, Mo and I realize that we deal with every day. We didn't know it until we read the very prestigious article online last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we read a publication, some may say. <laughs> <laughs> That's the uh, word. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, the paper. <laughs> yeah, we read some papers and publications on uh, functional programming, so we're experts now. Which means we read the Wikipedia article. So, <laughs> most trusted and reliable source on the interwebs. Well, I mean, it's been, you know, double checked, triple checked by various people, so I'm sure it's true. Mm. Very yeah. true. 150% true. So, so, reading that made you realize you're actually using it? Yeah. That is the trick. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, like, it's, it's, you know, like, functional programming has this weird aura sometimes that it's just weird and quirky and so much maths and you have to think a certain way but when you look into it you realize actually it's it's everyday stuff you do every day it's not super you know it has funny names and and weird um definitions of sort certain things but what all it comes down to is just common sense for me anyway maybe my brain is wired a bit differently but for me um, when I was getting into programming and later getting into functional programming, what it clicked with me is that, okay, this, this stuff just makes sense to me. It's, this is how my brain works generally. Like I like to, I like to keep things nice and neat and simple and um, functional programming gives me that clarity that if I think about problem solving it in that way, um, it just makes it easier for me and, and many other people, I guess. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yeah, because it seemed like there's these defined set of rules that you follow, and that would then have cleaner code. You'd be making less bugs, and it's it's all about that. Like, yeah, it's all about that. It comes from like initially it comes from maths, and um, maths can be crazy at 
times, but like the the, the mathematics behind this is, is fairly simple. Um, and but yeah, it, it really is just that making sure that whatever you create, it's easy to look at, easy to read, easy to consume, easy to reuse, because that's the most part of it. Is that whatever you create is tend to be or destined to be reused f with you know with, with other functions and with other programs and and uh, yeah, you know it's. Recycling. Produce, reuse, recycle. Perfect. So right. with that... Lightning round. So first of all, Mate, please introduce yourself and tell us what you do. Hello, my name is Mate Mario. Uh, I am an engineering manager right now at uh, Forest. So this is where your ladies might have known me. Um, originally from Hungary, spent 10 years in Dublin and moved back a few years ago. Um, what else? I have three kids. I've, um, you know, ten chickens. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and that, that's pretty much it. In general, I just try to be useful, whatever I do, whatever I do. Fine. Thank you. Welcome. So first question with rapid fire and as you know, or second question, I suppose, uh, is it's just really quick. You know the answer. So what is your favorite kind of coffee? Um, Americano with a little bit of milk. Ooh, that's a nice one. What's your horoscope sign? It's Aries. Uh, your favorite color? Green. Your favorite book? Ooh, I've so many. Um, uh, yeah, I'm 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 a big big fan of sci-fi books. So I would say maybe the one that I read the most and really enjoyed always always enjoy would be the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Stacy told me this would be your answer. Last yeah. Night. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, his favorite book is probably Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Well, I have two tattoos for that as well. So ah, yeah, cool. Yeah, very cool. Cool. We're going to throw you for a whirlwind on this one. But what is your favorite obscure person from history? Favorite obscure person from history? Well, well, I could be totally obscure and give you some like Hungarian tale of some weird people. Uh, but um, well, there was there was this I think in the 1700s, there was some weird uh, whatever reason there's an Austrian prince who ended up being the king of Mexico so he's a pretty wild right <laughs> yeah what's his name can't remember can't remember <laughs> <laughs> and what did um, he do as king what was he known for well he's been known for being Austrian not from there I guess based That's on fair. his based on his uh, mm -hmm. face in general <laughs> I, don't, I can't remember Is his name Carlos I don't I know I think it might I don't know Maybe we'll we'll double fact. Yeah, we'll need now. to check that. No, I just this is just random. Just came to my mind. I don't know. All these foreigners coming in and taking <laughs> jobs. What yeah. are they like? <laughs> Shakes fist at sky. <laughs> oh no! Uh, don't deport us. Please <laughs> not. Um, great. So I think that's all our rapid fire questions, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So thank you. We now know you super well. Um, and thank you for sharing about the Austrian prince who's the prince of Mexico as well. And all your chickens. Um, all your chickens, yeah. What's your favorite thing about Ireland? 
my favorite thing about Ireland. Yeah, so like I, I really spent the plane ride thinking about this. So what do I say? And um, well, it's one of the things I really, really like, or actually fascinated by still, is the all the dialects and accents that are in this island, um, because we we don't have that many accents and dialects, and it's just fascinating. That you come here and you go to village over, and it's a completely different world, different phrases and different ways of pronouncing the same words um so yeah i really adore and really admire that it's it's a very cool thing to have that sort of sense of you know belonging to places where you're from based on your language i love that too do you have a favorite irish accent or region i don't know like i really when i moved here really struggled for the first couple of months it was just very hard to get my head around and ears to accommodate that um that that these accents um i i i don't know some of them are really really interesting or really special you know and and sing-songy like some of the northern irish accents are really nice to listen to but i have to tell sometimes i just don't get it (laughs) and i had to like double take but but nevertheless, sounds cool and sounds very nice. Yeah, and it's almost like well, it is a different language because it's Hibernian English, Hiberno English. So it's like a different dialect of English that they're even speaking then. So it's like they'll say things that even English speakers won't understand, and so like it's definitely one of those things. It's hard to get your head around. Indeed, yeah, and plus these turns of phrases are like brilliant. Sometimes, like I would not have come up with the terms of shower of Muppets on my own uh, but but you can hear that every day yes I know even sometimes when you hear it every day you still don't get used to it as well you're like what like for me I'm always asking someone what did they say I'm, I'm partially I think a little hard of hearing but also like I really don't understand what they're saying or I've never heard such a phrase and then then I have to look up what that means mm. and it's, yeah, and some some of them are coming from very old slang as well. Like the, I think you might have heard the sucking diesel thing as well. That, that I had to get people explain it to me multiple times. Like, where is that coming from? What did he say it was? Su- sucking. Yeah, there you go. Sucking diesel. And we're oh, sucking, sucking di- diesel. Which means we're killing it. We're crushing it. We're you know, we'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, but where does it come from? You know, the backstory. Yeah, I forget it. Like, I already forgot it. So, yeah. but it's, it's, I think it's come from the, like, these 80s maybe or something. So, it's, when it was, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it's connected to now. Because I might be wrong, but I think people were stealing diesel out of cars by putting, like, a long tube in and then sucking it out. <laughs> and, like... Oh, we'll be grand. We're just going to go suck some diesel tonight. Yeah, so I guess if you're killing it, you're sucking diesel? I, yeah, yeah. This is, again, my, my knowledge gets, gets foggy now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to double-check mm. that one as well. We'll have a corrections corner on the next podcast. <laughs> so, thank you. I I also agree. All mm. all the dialects and accents are they're really cool. And you just can't keep up with them. <laughs> Unless you're from here, then I feel like maybe you can because you grew up with it. But as as someone not from here, it can be a challenge, a fun challenge. Well, it could be a challenge, yeah. Like as for me, who's you know English is, is a second language, really. Like we grew up 
um, listening to like very sterile English, um, and the minute you're exposed to or you you start to you know look at American films that has accents or English films that has accents or any kind of films that has weird accents, and you have to go and go, huh? <laughs> What was that? <laughs> and so it 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 is it is learning and it is you know getting used to these things because when I was learning it was all very sterile it's all very you know wishy-washy Queen's English kind of thing and then but the minute you are in the real real world it's not like that nobody speaks like that where is the mobile arch um, which we had to practice like over and over again I have to say properly mobile arch uh, but it's useless knowledge at this point <laughs> yeah yeah Because it's definitely one of those things where it's like you're never gonna speak to somebody like you would in a textbook, and like your pronunciation with things gets real blurry. Like if you would ask them like, "Have you eaten yet today?" Like you're not gonna say, "Mo, have you eaten yet today?" You would say, "Mo, jeet," you know. Like it gets all squished together and doesn't make any sense. Jeet, jeet, jeet today. But you know what I mean, like jeet. Do you like our sound? Because support for FizzBuzz podcast is provided by Cloud Microphones from Tucson, Arizona. Cloud Microphones is a maker of boutique ribbon microphones and the Cloud Lifter line of mic activators. Cloud lifters are used around the world for recording, broadcasting, and other live sound applications. For more information or to hear Cloud products in action, check out cloudmicrophones.com Context. Context is everything. Context is key. And we're going to be getting some more context bum, ba, bum, bum, ba, bum, with the theme <laughs> <laughs> on putting the fun into functional programming. <laughs> so as we get started, because I think the fun is the really important part here. Mm-hmm. How how uh, is functional programming fun for you? I think it's fun because it's it's you know it 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 makes you think a bit outside of like the normal or the easy things you could do with programming. You know, it's easy to write a loop. It's easy to get a variable and just change values of that variable um, as you program something. But once you start to impose a bit of rules on that yourself to go, okay, you know what? I'm going to declare this variable, but it's not going to change any value. If I need to use something else, I need to use a different named variable to move on, move my life. The same goes with with loops and stuff as well, because um, it's, I think it's, you know, you can get a while loop, a for loop or whatever, you name it, any language. But when you when you need to write a recursion to do the same thing for you, which could, which is actually more, or could be, you know, more efficient. And you have to really think about it. Okay, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't want to get an infinite recursion here. So, uh, what is my exit criteria? What, how do I define this piece of software so small that it's actually uh, understandable by anyone? Understandable, a future me as well, which is important. But, but generally, you know, it describes the the problem, the solution, and the uh, in a concise, simple way, and I think for me that was always that was always funny. It was always interesting to come up with different ways to solve same problems. So this is 
this was one of my kind of entry points to this as well. You know, is there other ways to solve problems? And uh, like I got into um, got into functional programming years and years ago, but then I was lucky enough to be part of a group here in Dublin who was doing meetups, doing like functional programming uh, katas with with people, where we all just gather together and and uh, we everybody you know everybody got the same assignment and we all went about it and every time never never ha- every time it happened that it was it was if it was seven groups or seven pairs working on it it was seven different solutions for the same thing still solving functionally but it's always different it's always there people come up with different solutions or neat ideas or ways of of trying to solve a problem that you never thought of and let it be it could be the same language different languages whatever it didn't matter it's always it always different comes out differently whereas if you if you tell people that okay you have to do this in a for loop people will solve it in a for loop and it's not going to be much different maybe the variables will be named differently but um it it wouldn't have that sort of uh, I, I think it wouldn't have that sort of like a diverse solution set uh, that you can get with with a different tool set or a different mindset when uh, when approaching a problem. Mm. So it sounds like it can be quite creative as a medium. I think it is. I think it is because like it's it has its own set of rules, right? But the the lo- the, the rules themselves are very very loose, you know. You, you know, you can you could have a funny one like the high order functions which sounds like a very strict political party-ish yes. thing. <laughs> uh, we have to bring this uh, concern to the high order of the high order, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The Grand Master yeah. of Functions will decide your fate. The high order function wizard. Yeah. But in reality, what it is, you know, you can just pass a function into a function and then return it. It's not as it's not as glamorous or not as, you know, scary as, as the mm-hmm. first time you read it. It's like, oh my God, high order functions. What are, what are those? What are pure functions? What what does that mean? Um, you know, again, these are simple simple things that you can use every day, and you can recognize that even in code, you can recognize it if reading someone else's code. Oh, you know, there's this function that always does the same thing, and it just returns the same thing. Then we can just get rid of it because we don't need it, um, or you know, breaking into breaking out big pieces of software into smaller chunks that could be reused later. That is. That is where the fun for uh, anyway. That that is where I li- like I like my my fun to be had because I enjoy these kind of um, ex- you know revamping a bit existing software and breaking it out and making it more useful and uh, making sure that it lives on. So it sounds like this is sort of like a framework almost of like different techniques and ideas and you can use these rules to dissect and problem solve and that in itself is fun along with like the social aspect of pairing as well and getting to see other people's problems which i think is pretty cool oh yeah no i think i think it's pretty cool it's pretty cool it's it's really enjoyed that time as well but yeah in general yeah it is it is it is just a set of rules you can you can adhere to and or you can ignore it's up to you <laughs> and you know and it, and it's and it's not like this this kind of pretentious thing either is like if you don't have to do everything you have to do functionally no it's not like that at all it's i mean i, I oftentimes you know you you do it this way and you do it that way but there's certain things that actually makes for me anyway it makes more sense to do it in a functional way so you can 
as I said before, reuse the code um, as much as possible and uh, make it simple to test, make it simple to approach. Because if you have a big ass class with you know lots of methods in it and whatever, it's very hard to understand, very hard to get your head into. But if you have like a function like this small and I'm pointing my fingers like a two inch kind of gap that, <laughs> that you can read and consume, you can understand that by just looking at it. And, uh, you know, if it implants in your memory, then you can remember the next time that, okay, I, I see something, this this could be used to this, so might as well just call that function from over there and reuse it over here to solve the problem for me. Mm-hmm. Or you might just realize, oh, I just need to tweak that like a tiny bit in order to be reusable multiple times and then, you know, create cleaner code, less clutter, more simpler solutions. Very good. And I suppose for maybe the listeners who aren't as technical as we are, what is a function? And then how do you know you're looking at functional programming? Well, what is a function? A function is a named thing that you can pass arguments into, pass just variables into. Variables can be anything, right? It could be it could be just chickens, chickens. <laughs> yeah, like numbers, numbers. <laughs> yeah, type strings. things, numbers, strings, um, data structures, and in the end, the function does some computation in between. So it does some something with the variables, juggles them around, figures out something, calculates it, and then returns a value or multiple values. And the value could be the same data structure or it could be a different data structure. Uh, it's really up to, again, how you define it. Or it could be another function. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, so like a good example, a simple example would be, you know, adding two numbers together. That's a function. You add A and B together, and that comes another value, C. That is that is a function on its own. Mm-hmm. Something, something fairly simple. Or it could be like a void function that does nothing. Whatever you pass it into, <laughs> just does nothing. Returns void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what was the second part of the question? How do you know you're looking at functional programming? So like, let's say you open up a code base that you've never worked with before. Are there any tells to it that would show that it was functional programming versus anything else? <laughs> yeah, it would. I think I think it would. Like, um, not necessarily, you know, using simple data structures, for example, if you're people not creating lots of kind of complex classes and structures to solve their problems uh, other than just relying on existing simple structures like lists, hash maps, strings, integers, uh, the built-in types, the built-in things that the language provides. This could be like, you know, languages would have these different things like this. I mean, in Erlang, they would call them yeah, lists and, and records. In Ruby, you would call them arrays and hash maps. And in Python, something else. And then Java, another thing. Um, but the, the key is really, you, you, just, you just spot these things that it doesn't deal with like very complicated data types. Um, and it doesn't really have, it, the motor has like modules or like sets of functions as opposed to um, like very thought of classes per se. It's more like, you know, you have I have this collection of tools that I named something, 
and I can have multiple collections of these tools. And when I'm doing my thing, when I'm solving my problem, I just pick and choose which one to use from these collections. That would be a good way. And then there's other like more um, stricter functional programming. Like if you if you look at Haskell, you'll know it's Haskell <laughs> because it looks weird. Uh, or, and, <laughs> and Haskell's a specific programming language, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Haskell would be a very specific programming language, or um, or but I mean, it doesn't really have to be a functional programming language to write functional programs, like um, Java or Ruby or Python wouldn't necessarily struck you as a as a very functional languages because they have all the class types, they have all the object oriented structures. But it shouldn't stop you. You can still use these languages to create. And functional programs. And then you were speaking about the different types of functions, one of which was the higher order functions, um, you know, and speaking to the higher order gods, but there are other types of functions as well, like um, first class functions we were reading about last night. Um, what did you read? <laughs> what did we read, yeah. Stacey? <laughs> first class so functions. So from what I'm remembering, it's like using a function within a function, functionception. I thought that was higher order that functions. Higher order? That's the higher order okay. functions. So yeah. then the first class function, is that just a function? A regular old function? Well, I'm going to use my little <laughs> use the <laughs> notes note. as well. He also has a publication. Oh. <laughs> 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 We're very academic here on FizzBuzz. Yeah. Only the finest knowledge you shall gain. First class. Yeah, and it then there is. It's super important and it's not business class. <laughs> Extra expensive function. First class functions are when functions in that language are treated like any other variable. Does that oh, sound yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that sounds like. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can just pass them in. You can just use them, name them, whatever you want. Yeah. Um, passes arguments returned from other functions. That's what it means. So when you see, you see that in JavaScript as well. When you when you do callbacks, for example, or when you do your um, promise resolutions. You know, when you do a promise then error thing, that that is that is basically you are doing functional programming there because there you you are dealing with the function as a parameter. There and then, but you can name those things as well before, so you can create a variable that is just the function itself, and then pass that in. Okay, yeah. cool. Okay, and then like a pure function would be just a function without sin. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not so far. You're not so far off. It means that it's th so that comes from mathematics, right? So like actually, the names come from maths as well. It it just means that. It's deterministic in, in Matt's language, mm -hmm. which again, is just another weird way of saying that I put in the same values and I always get the same outcome. All right, so you can treat it as a box is, is really, it's just a box of the, if I put in those, those, you know, A and B, I always get C. There's no side effect. There's no, and the pure function would mean that it just only does that with one single computation. It doesn't go off and send off and, um, you know, messages to your queue or 
call your mother or <laughs> or or bring you chocolates or something. You know, it d- doesn't do anything else. Just what it's supposed to do. It just makes that single one thing that it's designed to do, and that's it. Nothing else. There's no side effects. So side effects would be like multiple things happening in a function that you didn't intend it to do, or what would you de- define as well, a side effect? Well, not in, not necessarily intended to do, but I mean, if you think of it from the the testing point of view as well, it's very hard to test a function or anything, a piece of code that does more than two things. You know, like the minute you do that, you need to mock something, you need to stop something out, you need to think about the state of multiple things in order to just to test that piece of software, even if it was just two lines of code. And uh, in, in, in that sense, you know, side effect could be just really that, that there is, it does m- multiple things, it calls other things that it not necessarily need to. Um, Whereas in, if you stay stay in the pure side of things, it is really just, I'm just doing this single thing that I'm supposed to do, like um, finding out element, you know, of an array of elements, I find out certain attributes or filter something out from them. That's just one thing. That's all I do, filter. Mm. And then there's another function to reduce that filter data set. And then there's another function to do a computation, like a, summary or sum or an average on that so for example you can do it in one function but that would mean that's not going to be a pure function because it does three different computations and a lot of things can go wrong whereas if you do it one by one you can chain those functions your code becomes readable as well more readable because you don't have you just you you imagine you have like a set of things and a list of things and you just call you know Give me the, give me the, you know, average of everything that has two star ratings on it of something else, um, and you have this is your function name. But then, what if you do it differently and you just go list filter for two stars, you know, discard everything else, and average me, average this for me. So it's easier to consume on on the code reader level as well. Mm-hmm. So even I suppose like breaking that up, making something more pure is like you would have one function. It's like we're just filtering out a rating. You might pass in the parameter of like what rating do you even Mm want to filter out? And then from there you would do some other type of computation, which would be its own function. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And and you can chain these things. So that's that's another kind of neat, neat thing as well with these functional programming or the way you can approach problems is you can just re again by reusing existing code, you can just chain these things together and create, you know, with this Lego blocks of function, you know, pieces of software, you can create something new, something that solves your problems. Yeah, and it's way easier going into a code base and being like, oh, this piece of code already exists. I just have to call it instead of having to write it from scratch. Yes. I definitely appreciate that. When you see a function and inside is only one line of code, (laughs) it's such a relief because it's like I only have to understand one line of code and it does one thing and that's it. Exactly. And that's the the key here, you know, like reusability, Mm. simple stuff. Simple things, really. Make it simple and easy to consume. 
Yeah, because I don't know about the two of you, but I'd look at a method, there might be five lines of code, and like two of those lines, I wouldn't know what it means, and then the whole function's derailed for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you have to, it's a whole blocker, I think, where if the, the yeah. smaller it is, yeah, know, easier it is to consume. Yeah, it's... And and it's really it's really what it is because if you think of it, it's not just you that consumes that, but everybody else you work with is going to consume that, or all of you might be long gone from the company, mm. and someone else comes along and they need to understand what you wrote there. I uh, many moons ago worked for a company uh, which shall not be named, where there was a f big big like hundreds of lines of function that were the mother function the mother <laughs> exactly it was dealing with predictive search so as you were typing it would come up with possible solutions but it was buggy yeah. it wasn't working obviously mm. it was way too big way too big for anybody to work on and there, was, there was this one guy I remember him and he wanted to he said okay I'm going to fix this because it's you know it's bugging me it's very hard to deal with. I'm going to break it out and whatever. He spent three weeks trying to understand what that function is doing. Obviously, was doing way too much. And in the end, he made it worse. And then what he did <laughs> is reverted all his changes and had an ASCII biohazard sign on top. <laughs> and he gave up. Um, and that's fine because like when you're faced with, with, with something that's so big and it's very hard to comprehend, very hard to consume what is happening because that piece of software was, you know, hundreds of lines calling it to this, calling it to that, trying to figure out based on the typed in language, if it, what language was it in French, was it in <clears throat> Portuguese, was it in English, then based on that doing predictive search of <coughs> metadata of... Um, let's say locations and it, it was just doing way too much and it wasn't easy to understand it wasn't easy to fix like we had a bug there when like this 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 was genuinely had bugs in there but nobody could fix them because it was very hard to understand if it was you know written initially from this kind of mindset of okay, just do simple things just do concise simple functions one at a time it might have been, you know, much more easier to approach the problem because I know, okay, oh, I know I, that there is a specific bug with, like, the Portuguese predictive search. So I know where to look. I know because there's a parameter with the PT, the locale, and I know how to approach that. Whereas <clears throat> in this case, unfortunately, it was, it was unredeemable. So... It's, it has practical uses, you know, because it was hurting the company, but if it would have been, you know, a different approach, a better approach, it might have been different, might have been easier. So what happened to that function? Is it still living to this day? I don't know. Or? I've left the company, I don't know, 10x years ago, so I've... Uh, that was, uh, that's what did it for you, didn't it? You were like, I can't handle <laughs> no, this no, function it anymore. No, 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 no. <laughs> you opened no. it up, you saw a function with a hundred lines in it, no. and you're like, mm, close that laptop and go <laughs> <No>. home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no it wasn't that but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was part of it it was on the list of things <laughs> maybe yeah, you could say that <laughs> uh, so we've talked a little bit now about like some of the advantages of uh, functional programming but are there any more that come to mind besides like simplicity bug proofing um, it's 
Apart from that, I'm going to consult my papers again, because uh, why yes. not? The publication. The publications, yeah. It's self-publicated, um, but you know. I suppose for the sake of uh, repeatability, uh, I guess repeatability is readability, was one of the things <laughs> that you Oh, yeah, reusable as well. Readability, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And um, I guess the other... Th- cool thing about some of these functional programs and programming is like you know the evaluation type so they can be very useful when you compute i don't know if you too heard about the strict or or non-strict evaluations of functions we briefly read about them in the publication in the publication (laughs) the white paper yeah the white paper put forward by some of the most brilliant minds of wikipedia a collaboration (laughs) of sorts um, but no, let's talk about those a little bit more then. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a neat trick to use, if you know, but it, um, that it really depends on the language or if you can parameter, parameterize something on it. <clears throat> but like a strict evaluation would be that if you pass in like an array to a function or multiple values to function, let's say, and those values are functions themselves or some sort of computations. Um, and you know, if you're talking about the strict evaluation, it will evaluate, it comes from the outside, uh, inside to outside. So like it evaluates these things, computations first, and then evaluates the function. So you might be doing a lot more work than you're supposed to. But sometimes that's what you, exactly what you need. You need to be sure that whatever you're getting in to, to make your uh, program work has to be passed in those computations first. Whereas the non-strict would be more like lazy I only do stuff when I need to. So if I have like a array of five elements and all those five elements are weird calculations, some of them might be completely bonkers and in- invalid, like division by zero. But I just interest I'm just interested in the length of this list. I'm not gonna evaluate anything. I just know there's five things in it. Because I based on the language I know based on the pointers or however the array is implemented there that I have five elements in there, and I don't care about what the values are. Whereas in a strict evaluation, you might just get an error. You get an error to go, oh, you silly, silly person. You try to divide by zero. I can't tell you how long this array is mm-hmm. because there's, an, there's a value in there somewhere that's wrong. Um, so again, sometimes these can be useful. Sometimes it's, it's actually totally fine to use the lazy evaluation types. Um, so these are, you know, little tricks and that, that you can use and that could be very useful when dealing with like concise sizes for memory and and uh, and computational power. So what would be an example of when you would use the strict computation? Because you kind of said lazy is like if you were just getting, you know, what's the length of an array? Mm-hmm. That's That could be lazy computation, but would... What would be an example of strict? Example of strict. Well, when you're dealing with serious business like money, <laughs> you want to make sure that all your values are correct and and, and adds up. Uh, you can't really be second guessing. Whereas in some other cases, like you know, you might not know just yet, um, email addresses of people. And, you know, you can get it from somewhere, but, you you know, you have a call there or, you know, they don't, they don't have to be computations. They could be like calls on an object, mm. you know, like calls on a hash or an, 
a type, a person type something. And I'm just interested in the emails and how many emails people have. Or, you know, five people, I'm, I'm going to try to get all their emails. But I don't know if one of them doesn't have an email or not. That's, I'm okay with that kind of being fuzzy. Mm-hmm. But if we're talking about, you know, more exact things that are very important and crucial, like monetary stuff, you, you better use, I would say, you better use the strict kind of evaluation because you want to make sure that you have all the values before you add up. This is like me, me who used to work with like financial systems and accounting stuff. You know, if you if you miss something there, that's usually bad. Uh, so you want to make sure that you have everything available before you start your calculations. Getting all your chickens in a row. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. So happy we're talking about chickens. I freaking love chickens. Not to change the subject or anything. Mm. But um, that makes a lot of sense. So I think things like money, anything monetary, anything that has to be... Stuff you care about. The stuff you care about should use strict evaluation. Well, stuff others care about as well. Like I... Again, like years and years ago, we we ran like a program with a community midwives with a couple of friends and colleagues um, uh, for the, the for the Hollis Street Hospital in Dublin. And there, again, you know, it's that that is healthcare information. That is private information. But again, you couldn't really second guess certain things of it. You have to make sure that there, the information is readily available for you before making you know certain uh, calls to the midwife that they have to go about and check on the mother and the baby or if they if they be okay you know be okay if they miss a few details here and there that's not that's not a good way <laughs> to treat uh, you know new moms and new ba- newborn yeah. babies welcome a baby in the world but we don't care if we, yeah, you don't, you don't know <laughs> you, you don't know if you have your vitamin K it's kind of important but yeah. it is very important so yes. <laughs> So I guess context, context, context. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, the last question that I had was, do you, cause I feel like we're just scratching the surface here of like what this really is and like how much you can learn. So what resources would you suggest to our listeners so they can delve in more? Well, I mean, uh, the esteemed white paper on the internet is a good start. <laughs> uh, Wikipedia. Because then you can get into some weird stuff. I mean, if you're yeah. interested in the the mathematics behind it, you can follow those little crumbs of, of, of Wikipedia links and get into the category theory and the lambda functions and all that fun stuff. So that's a good start as well. Or if you, you know... What I would suggest as well, if you look up functional languages, they all have great guides. They all have very, very good guides. And, you know, there's certain languages that people will click and people just won't click. And, you know, if you're front-end, you can... I'm just going to name-drop a few of these. If you you like front-end, you can can use Elm um, or React has been pretty good as well in terms of functional programming and a couple of aspects of that. Um, if you're more into the backend calculation type of things, there's like Haskell and um, Erlang, Elixir, um, Lisp would come to mind as well. That 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 has great guides and simple ways to to understand how 
these things are written and or if you're super crazy you can you can use APL the stuff I sent you mm-hmm. girls before which has like as I think you put it Atlantean symbols yes um, <laughs> um, APL is one of, it's it's a funny thing as well it's 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 you look at the program and you think this is insane and then when you look after you look into what's the story behind APL you figure out actually this thing still powers like stock markets to mm-hmm. this date <laughs> oh my god that yeah. powers mm-hmm. stock markets yes 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 well, and, oh and my god like, it looks like a child drew a bunch of squiggles on a page <laughs> like, yeah yeah it, yeah like a try try to try to do like a try triton thing three times and it got wrong three times oh it looks different and the dots on top yeah Oh my god! Yeah, it it does, it does, it, because it's so powerful. Yeah. Because you can you can do lots of heavy computation with just a couple of characters. Because it's, I think, the closest I've ever felt to like, I don't know, being like some ancient alchemist wizard, you know, doing my runes and like making magic with them or something like that. Because it, it seriously looks out of this world. So it's mad that it's that powerful, but it's powerful spells, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's no, I don't, I don't think there's like a go-to place to to get to. But I mean, I would suggest to just you know look around. Literally, just look at a few lines of code of each language or functional languages, and then see what see what kind of piques your interest and get into that. Like for me, one of the thi- like I I got into Erlang as as one of the early things, and because. Well, part of it was that people just said to me, "Oh, it looks ugly. I hate that." I was like, "Okay, that that sounds already sounds interesting." <laughs> <laughs> if you if you make judgments based on how things look, mm. um, and then uh, yeah, like a really that 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 was my kind of major gateway into it. It's just really like that. So, and but again, it might not be everybody's cup of tea when you look at Erlang code. Yeah, I mean, different horses for different courses, mm. as they say. Mm-hmm. I wonder as well, like, to quick follow on, because a lot of the topics and themes of functional programming, I feel like I've seen all the time, like having reusable code and readability and making sure to have small functions. I don't know if those are a part of other, you know, types of programming as well. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, and I just don't know. But would it be good as well maybe if one person is like really interested in reusability finding different things to just or different ways to reuse code and that kind of thing is maybe another way to learn about functional programming exactly yeah like if you're if you're into the clean code kind of things as well this is a good way to kind of up up your knowledge or expand your like field of vision and and try out something new because a clean code um has a lot of these things like it again it's all common sense bits the functional programming is more you know comes from really from the mathematics side of things um and that's that's why it's a bit you know it's named different it has different set of rules it has more kind of defined rules i'd say whereas clean code is is more uh, subjective i would say 
in terms like you can read three clean code books and you come away with like five different ways of making them so mm. do you use comments do you not use comments exactly i don't it's, know it's one of them yeah it's one of them yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 one of those things it's it's uh, yeah just don't yeah whether you use comments or not or whether you use certain structures or not because mm -hmm. one book says that certain uh, patterns are wrong and the other book says oh this is a great pattern because you can reuse it for this and this and this and this whereas and that you know whereas you so clean code for example talks a lot about like software patterns and stuff whereas functional programming is more like I would say simpler because it's getting down to the very basic elements of programming. You're dealing with simple data structures and you're dealing with functions that does stuff. Nothing else. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> 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 so much going on all the time. <laughs> um, so, monads. Yeah. Monads. monads. Oh, what yeah. the heck are Sounds monads? <laughs> <laughs> so strange. I mean... I think I think this is like the like apart from all the pure and high order things this is the most this is the other kind of like uh, term that people see and they just go no <laughs> it's just no just leave me alone no drop no. it that's what <laughs> Wikipedia said it said that like most students that come across it will never understand it and that's what's like made us so interested about it like why will no one understand this is this the uh, dark secrets of yeah, they don't tell us about it they just say people don't understand it <laughs> yeah. that's what Wikipedia says yeah well that's I mean that, that, and maybe it is I mean I've I remember learning about category theory in university and it was one of my nemeses in, in, in the mathematics field that I just it, uh, it's a very hard time to to click with like the applications of it as in like getting getting uh, exercises done and the sort of, that that always went fine but the minute I had to explain the theory behind it I just went I, just, I have no idea um, and it was one of those things that only clicked later like years later when I got into the functional programming and I was like okay now I get it now I get what I was learning about in like you know weird squiggles and sets and whatever um but in essence it's it's again it's if you look into it it's it becomes fairly simple if you can define it fairly simply it's it's um uh, basically it says that you take you have a function <clears throat> that takes two things of the same set and produces a third thing of the same set and Apart from that, um, it has a neutral element. Okay, S mm -hmm. you're looking at me weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah So is it like <coughs> potassium or? Like <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, no. <laughs> neutral, as in it doesn't change value of something else, right? I'll, t I'll tell you an example. I'll tell you an example. Mm. Say. And the other one is composition, right? You can, you can, if you're applying two functions one after the other, you can change the order or the encapsulation of those functions and you get the same result. Um, simple. The simplest thing you can think of is, for example, um, integers and adding two numbers together. Like plus is a mm. function. Mm -hmm. A plus one, two, one plus two is always three. So it's the integers coming and two integers going in and a third integer comes out. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. Neutral element is zero. One plus zero is one doesn't change the element 
Yeah, got it. It makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. it starts to make sense. Yeah, that's what I mean. So like once once you get into it, once you try to define yeah. it simpler, it make it will make sense. And then, and you can you can change the order of evaluation. So one plus two plus three can be one plus two plus three or one plus two plus three. Doesn't matter which way it's you go about it. The end result is going to be the same. Uh, why can't Wikipedia just say that? Yeah, <laughs> and. <clears throat> but it's all the mathematics thing. But then when it comes to functions, it's, it's basically it's, it's similar, right? You define these things like arrays. If you, you know, let's move into the programming world. Like if I put, like say, how would you define plus for arrays? Plus for arrays? Like yeah, one array plus another array. Oh, that's uh, matrices, is it? Well, it I could might, be. It depends on you. I might, yeah. like, an append one array onto an another array. Yeah, it could array. be concat. Yeah, like concatenated. An array yeah. of arrays? <laughs> well, you could, could that. do that, too. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, let's say we go with concatenation, right? So we put an array that has one element and an array has two elements. Mm-hmm. And we add them together and it becomes a third array that has three elements. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. What would be in the neutral Element an empty this. array. An empty array, exactly. Okay, so that's monads essentially. Yeah, exactly. So th- that's and that, again, this is everyday thing you use. Like yeah. you, you concatenate arrays if, if you're lucky enough to work in programming, and you know, <laughs> this is what you get paid for. <laughs> <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah. adding things together. Adding things together, <laughs> like arrays. Um, but yeah, you know, like it, that that that's all it is, and then you need to find this, and then you, you got your definitions, and you know, you can you can come with other operators, you can come with other functions and other data structures. You can think of, um, I don't know, you know, the the, the, the um, inventory of things, and then you, you know, define operations on the inventory. Um, so you can, you know, you can take this to, you know, higher levels, much, much higher levels. But in, in, the, in the in the small scale, it really is just an operation, some sort of an element type. And then you figure out, OK, how we can deal with this type, how we can deal with this thing uh, to to uh, stay within these rules of what's what's a monad. <laughs> um, and then some, you know, some languages take this very seriously. Like again, Elm or Haskell would would be. You have to define these operations, and then you can use them. Um, so, but others wouldn't necessarily take this that seriously. So, like these are like Elm and Haskell would be very strongly typed for this for this this monads. Cool. Yeah. I'm curious with the neutral element. Is that always like? an empty data structure or like zero or something in that sorts like what are other examples of like neutral variables well if you think about for example multiplication one would be the neutral element right because mm. you multiply by one it's going to be the same thing okay yeah so like it really depends on your again how you define and what you define you can um I don't know. Like, okay, chickens. Let's go back to chickens. <laughs> if you wanna... What's a neutral element of a chicken? Exactly. What is the neutral element no of a chicken? chicken? Like, I mean, you know, like you have egg? defined hmm? an egg. No, no, that's like... no. An, an empty nest. An empty nest. Maybe <laughs> it is an empty nest. Is your element or just a coop? There's a nothing coop. in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So you know, it 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 could be anything. Like for if you think about strings, it will be the empty string. But if yeah. you think about yeah, multiplication, it's gonna be one. If you think about, I don't know, I don't know what else. What else? Yeah, there's there's yeah. many. You can yeah. depends what kind of type things you come up with. Yeah. Does everything have a neutral element, or are there some structures you can work with that would be impossible? I wonder. Probably everything don't. does. I think I think the simple data structures and the simple simple types would have, yeah. Because yeah. if you think about it, like all the simple stuff is like, you know, strings, integers, but numbers, um, lists, hash maps, they all have neutral elements. They all have like an empty version or a null version of themselves that you can use. Right, right. Yeah. Cool. That's great. That's monads, folks. See, you didn't even need to look at Wikipedia <laughs> to learn about monads. You just get it from FizzBuzz, hot and fresh. Oh, yeah. Well, I feel like that's a really good way to start wrapping up mm. because you heard it here first, monads. <laughs> <laughs> Mo nads. No. <laughs> that might That's be a rename. Really it's a real rename to the to the yeah. podcast. I, so it's just Stacey has to rename herself Nad. <laughs> oh no. Hello. Uh, Mo and Mrs. Nad. Nad. <laughs> Mo plus Nad. Mo plus Nad. Yeah. Nad. So if there was a monad function <laughs> and then you had a string, Mo, mm -hmm. and then you added it you concatenated it with another string. Stacy. And then the third element would be fizzbuzz. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good fizz word. Yeah. Comes out. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. No, that's not it at all. <laughs> that's true. Well, you had to take two elements, yeah. you know, to one, two, and to get a third, fizzbuzz. Mo Stacy returns fizzbuzz. Perfect. I don't know if that's right, but it's something. <laughs> it's something. Um. Well, Mate. With that, is there anything else to to finish up that you feel is worth sharing or or I would just say, you know, keep playing with it. Just just have fun. Try it out try out something. Try something new if you haven't tried functional programming or you know, explore something new and then try to solve, you know, the same fun experiment as fun problem different ways. Because there's always another way to to come up with it and uh and maybe you know you can you can learn something and you can reuse it in your day job later. That's here, right. here. Keep the fun in functional <laughs> programming. I love that. All righty then. I guess that's our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mate. We really appreciate well, it. Ladies, I enjoyed it as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, we learned a lot today. And, and don't be a dick and, and make, make money. money and make monads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> monads, mo problems, am I right? Okay. Oh.